Hey, this is Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. Besides Star Wars, if you're itching to dive deep into all things geek, park your speeder right here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. And may the Force be with you always. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. All right, guys. Thanks uh, so much for joining us on this, another episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I want to start out by saying there is hardly a director that comes to mind that doesn't inspire imagination like Tim Burton. Uh, Oh, wait, this ain't the Tim Burton episode? (laughs) Oh, no. Hold on a second. And welcome to a new edition of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I am Ro, not Martian, for you New Republic readers. Uh, and with me, as always, from the sunny beaches of Not Scarif, Shanti Shinobi Gonzalez de Tatooine. How goes it, my friend? How are you? Good. How are you? Ready to talk about something that I know nothing about. Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be fun. And um, as a special guest, because... Uh, I know uh, I share quite a lot of nerdums and geekdoms, uh, fandoms, as you will, with uh, with not just Star Wars fans. And I know we we kind of encompass a lot of things. We have movies, we've got comics, we've got Star Trek, Star Wars. We've got all sorts of stars all over the place. We, uh, we have Amanda uh, joining us to talk about space. The Final Frontier. Amanda, how's it going? It's going good. Can't wait to talk about Trek. It's one of my favorites. It is. It is. What What makes it your favorite? Um, I actually think my my parents. Mm. You know, uh, my mom. You know, the first thing I ever watched was Star Trek. You know, that was. You know, my parents are both huge Star Trek fans. They were kids watching it back in the '60s. Watched the reruns, the movies. You know, and so. I was born when Next Generation was on TV, and that's probably one of the first things I ever watched was Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, Next Generation seems to be kind of like the uh, the entry point for a lot of new Star Trek fans or a lot of young Star Trek fans. <laughs> um, uh, Shanti, I'm going to go to you because you've never seen Star Trek, correct? For the no. most part. <clears throat> the only thing I've seen are the first two J.J. Abrams movies. Mm-hmm. That's literally okay. it. I've never seen an episode of the show. I've so the Kelvin seen, timeline, the Kelvin never timeline. Seen yeah. any of the old episodes, none of the Patrick Stewart stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So, and I know that uh, on previous shows, we talk about the difference between like science fiction and science fantasy. We kind of categorize Star Wars into the science fantasy. It's not mm-hmm. really based in like real science where something like, you know, Star Trek, I think has a little bit more uh, of a leaning towards like real science. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, science officers that kind of spew out the techno babble and they, they really do have kind of like consultants kind of making sure that some of the science is, is more or less correct for, for a sci-fi show or a movie. Um, but uh, it, it is still kind of a fascinating thing. Um, you know, 
dipping my feet in both fandoms. I think each one has its its strengths, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but Amanda, so you 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 said that you got into Star Trek during the Next Generation. Well, I don't really remember it on TV. Mm-hmm. Like the first one I remember on TV is Star Trek Voyager. So okay. that's probably the one that got me. Voyager came out. It premiered, I believe, when I was four or five. I think it was ninety-four, so I was about five. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the show that really got me into it that I remember. But I was introduced to Star Trek from like birth. Sure, sure. And you you said that your parents watched the the uh, the original series. Yep, when what? they were kids. Yep. What are some of the things that you remember hearing about Star Trek, the original series? Well, one thing my parents always talked about, you know, growing up with them being such big Star Trek fans is that it's basically Gene Roddenberry's utopia idea of humanity. Oh. Like this is what humanity Mm -hmm. could become. If you read science fiction, the more you read it, the more you realize that you and the universe are part of the same thing. Science still knows practically nothing about the real nature of matter, energy, dimension, or time, and even less about those remarkable things called life and thought. As a traveler, you're not here to judge, but to experience. You begin to feel a new affection for the life forms here. You no longer feel threatened that some may be greater or lesser than you. It's only important that you've been given this marvelous opportunity to enjoy this trip, to learn from it, and in my case, write about it. Perhaps you know where I'm leading. On a trip like this, and it is a trip, its loveliness is not in the sameness of people and things, but in their incredible variety. Eventually, this led me to the Star Trek statement, Idik, infinite diversity from infinite combinations. And uh, how are we doing so far? <laughs> We got, well, if we, follow the, if we follow the Star Trek timeline, we got a big world war to go. So. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, what, what is the year that, uh, that we make first contact with the, uh, with the Vulcans? Oh, crap. The year? You're asking me the year. Oh, man, yeah. you put me on the spot. Come on, Trekkie. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, I just called you a Trekkie, but uh, I think in the early 90s or late 90s, there was a little controversy where uh, people, people, fans of Star Trek did not want to be called Trekkies anymore. Yeah. They, they wanted a little respect, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to be known as Trekkers. So uh, which one are you? Uh, probably because <laughs> of my parents' influence. Probably Trekkie. <laughs> Shanti's, so, like, sh- sh- Shanti's <laughs> shaking her head like, what? <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, this this is what happens in the in the fandom of, of both Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, we get a little goofy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say, oh my God, really? But the things that I get hung up on, who am I to yeah. talk? <laughs> exactly. Whatever, Respect man. me, damn it. Whatever. There you go. How about, nice. how about you, Ro? What are you, Trekkie or Trekker? You know what? It doesn't matter, but I grew up, uh, you know, hearing the term Trekkie. Yeah, I think, just like I, I think did. it's, yeah. you know, I think it's just kind of a cool little thing. Uh, you know, I, I know each fandom has its own thing. You've got uh, the brown coats. Um mm-hmm. What else? Uh, you know, Star Wars fans are just Star Wars fans, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we don't have yeah. a cool name. We, we don't. need a cool we don't name. need one. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't we know. don't need one. 
but maybe uh, maybe that's else. something that we should try to uh, try to coin is yeah. uh, making a name for ourselves. But mm-hmm. you know, I guess as Star Wars fans anywhere in the world, our own reputation precedes us. So I don't yeah. think we need we need <laughs> no. a name. So getting back to uh, your explanation of John Roddenberry's uh, futuristic utopia, I know, um, <laughs> jokingly, like you said, we have one war, one world war to go uh, yeah. before we get there. Um, but, you know, it, it's still, it's, it's interesting, you know, getting back to the 60s when John Roddenberry, uh, Gene Roddenberry, uh, was doing his thing. I think, what, what's his little background there? He was, uh, he was a police officer? Yes. Uh, in Los Angeles. He, uh, do you know a little bit more of the history before I, because I know I can kind of look some stuff up, but um, I know he was a police officer. He turned to screenwriting. I know, I know of how the show got made because we can actually thank Lucille Ball for how it oh, got yeah. made. Oh, yeah. Did you know, know that, yeah. Shanti? That, that I knew. That yeah. I knew. yeah. Like, She's the one, you know, that s- saved Star Trek and basically pushed it forward. Let's, so, uh, I love Lucy. G- yeah, yeah, go through that. Go through that again, uh, Amanda. Desilu yeah, so, Productions. So Desilu Productions got the script for Star Trek, and it was originally thrown out. Um, but Lucille Ball picked it up, the story goes, you know, looked it over and was like, I like this. This is cool. And she, of course, was the head of Desilu Production with her husband, Desi Arnaz. And so they greenlit it, and Star Trek came to be. That's pretty cool. What a boss. <laughs> yeah, right. I love her. Yeah. Yeah, she um I think her show was one of the first shows that uh that was shot with multiple cameras. Multi-cam. Yes, multi-cam. in the studio. And um you know, obviously it's it's still being done that way, so they were pretty, you know, pioneering mm-hmm. in that respect. So that's pretty cool. Very mm-hmm. awesome. What else about the original series uh do you remember, Amanda? Um, what, like production-wise, or? Yeah, there seems to be, you know. Well, there one... was an original pilot that was shown. Right. Which we right. Know. Yeah. And that uh, that was scrapped in favor mm-hmm. of something a little bit more action-oriented. I think yes. uh, the suits wanted to see, uh, you know, a captain doing some running around and jumping and firing yeah. phasers and things like that. It was we too, also, we also what did they replaced... call it? It was It was too cerebral. Yeah, we also replaced captains because in the original pilot, it's Captain Pike, who's getting his own show coming out soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, originally it was Captain Pike. And when they redid the pilot, they created the whole new character, Captain James T. Kirk. So, Shanti, do you know what the T stands for? Tiberius. In James... Oh, there you go. Yeah, Tiberius. Yeah, yeah look at you. Yeah. You're I a trick. You're a little trekkie. <laughs> yeah. I know some You know things. stuff. <laughs> But um, yeah, so the name of the uh, first the original actor was uh, what was his name? He died young, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I remember reading that uh, his wife was very protective of his of the role, and when they recast something, I don't know, something happened with his wife. She was uh, she was really bossy, and then mm-hmm. they. Um, By the way, his know, name some- is Jeffrey Hunter. Jeffrey Hunter, okay. yeah. Yep. So he was a kind of a big star back then. Um, mm-hmm. He also played uh, another notable uh, role for him was in in some production. I forgot what it was. Uh, he played Jesus Christ, and then he King of Kings, I think. King was it? Okay. Yeah. And then uh, and then he came on to uh, take command of the Enterprise. 
So uh, good little transition there. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? So yeah, getting back to that uh, pilot also, episode. Also, Magil Barrett's in the pilot episode. Oh yeah, that's right. So she is um, turned out to be Gene Roddenberry's wife. And uh, in the pilot, she was number one. She was the first officer. Um, so getting back to all those things. So back in the 60s, obviously, there was a civil rights movement going on. There was uh, a lot of social change. And Star Trek really kind of took front and center mm-hmm. with a lot of concepts mm-hmm. that were, were going on. So, you know, you had, you know, from the pilot to, you know, the, the reworked pilot, you had a, an Asian on the bridge. You had an African-American uh, command commander on the bridge. You had all this versatility on the bridge when yeah. on television, you really didn't see a lot of that. You didn't see any of it. Um, mm-hmm. But part of Roddenberry's thing was, yeah, th- this happens in the future mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I like that they kind of made it just kind of a normal thing. They didn't mm-hmm. say... They didn't kind of like draw attention to stuff like that. No. Right, right. It, it was, was just, it just you know, is. Yeah, it just, it just is, is. Because mm-hmm. that's how the future became. Like nobody cared what race or gender. Wasn't that the anything. first interracial kiss as well? Wasn't that yes. a big deal? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Between yes. Uh, Kirk and Yahura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of things were happening uh, during that show, both uh, on screen, uh, socially, and behind the scenes. It's uh, something that Gene Roddenberry pushed for. Um, and I think, you know, obviously it left a very indelible, uh, mark on, uh, you know, sci-fi and entertainment in, in the modern world, which, uh, you know, we're still kind of, uh, I I guess we're all kind of still gathering our acorns uh, (laughs) about it, you know? Well, there's new Star Trek shows coming out now again, so... Yeah. So, um, what did they do with the uh, with the pilot that was not aired uh, as um, as intended? Let's talk a little bit about that. So uh, they they, re- they redid it. it. Yeah. They so they used some of the elements for a future episode. Yeah, exactly. and what? Yeah. Do you, um, I can't remember what season it was, but I think um, you know it was kind of a two parter. Yeah, I don't remember what season, but it has to do with basically Spock disobeying orders. Yeah, and uh, they titled that The Menagerie Part 1 and 2. But it's really uh, very clever what they did. They uh, obviously used the the first pilot to um, introduce this storyline of Kirk's, I'm sorry, with uh, Spock's uh, former captain, which Mm -hmm. uh, was... You know, it was was really great, and I can't remember. Did uh, did Jeff Hunter um, come back to play? I believe he did. Um, yeah, I believe he did because uh, Captain Pike. This takes place after his accident, so he was right. in full prosthetics and everything, if I remember correctly. And that um, that always reminded me of a washing machine on wheels. You ever met Chris Pike? We met when he was promoted to fleet captain. About your age. Big, handsome man, vital, active. I took over the Enterprise from Spark, served with him for several years. Eleven years, four months, five days. What's his problem, Commodore? Inspection tour of a cadet vessel, old Class J starship. One of the baffle plates ruptured. The Delta rays? He went in, bringing out all those kids that were still alive. Just wanted you gentlemen to be prepared. You remember these gentlemen. They wanted to visit you. Captain Pike, may I remain for a moment? 
they cut up that uh, that episode into two episodes and called it the Menagerie Part One and Two. Like I said, it was kind of a, a very clever way to kind of reintroduce the um, the show, or, or at least the the original pilot, to uh, audiences that may not have been able to see it otherwise. I think mm-hmm. that was pretty clever. Yeah, it also um, introduced us formally to Captain Pike mm-hmm. in that episode as well, which we hadn't even really seen him or heard of him until then. Do you remember? Um, let's talk about some of the details in the in the original pilot because it does look fairly different. The uniforms are different. I know that. The, yeah, the uniforms are different. the uh, The props are different. Mm-hmm. It yeah. seems it seems like they kind of. I don't know if they upped the budget or or they definitely upped the look of of yeah. the of the ship and the bridge and things like that. Um, but it was a, again, it was a quite, uh, you know, during the time, it was quite clever the way they did uh, some of the things. Uh, some of the some of the props that really crack me up when I watch it nowadays is the, <laughs> f- the floppy chips. Yes. They put the the, 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 piece, thing in, you the know. pieces of plastic in the computer and it reads <laughs> off. But you know we la- we laugh now, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of that technology has come to fruition. You've got the, you know even the medical beds in the sick bay yeah. um, have been you know kind of you know created for the military. You've got mm-hmm. floppy disks. Obviously, we know what floppy disks are, which now you know to us is old technology. The communicator, um, hands the communicators. Down. Exactly. Um, what else? I love talking about technology. What uh, well, you know? I'm, I'm phasers are always cool too. Right, the phasers. the phasers. You know, I mean, the design of the phasers in the original series, I really like actually. Like you know, like it's like a little pistol. You know. Right. Yeah. And uh, I really can't wait for uh, beaming technology. So oh, yeah. I don't have to. Yes. So I don't have to hop in an airplane. Don't mm-hmm. forget a uh, warp Amen. drive. You know. Yeah. Warp drive, beaming technology. I can head over to Miami and and uh, bother uh, Shanti. <laughs> Please don't. Every so often, <laughs> bugger. <laughs> Let's just hope we don't bring back any tribbles. You know. That's true. <laughs> um, and speaking of tribbles, you know, I think for one of the anniversaries of the original series, um, during the run of. I think it was Deep Space Nine. They it actually, is Deep Space Nine, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that episode. We're talking about the um, the obviously the original series had an episode called "The Trouble with Tribbles." Everybody knows what the Tribble is. Yeah. Um, but Deep Space Nine had an episode where they actually went back in time to that episode, and they spent uh, they spent some money by putting in the new actors in the old scenes, and they yep. did it flawlessly. It's amazing. It flaws, like flawlessly. you can watch that episode and you can't even tell. Yeah, really, really great. Hmm. Um, and I, I can't remember uh, what the name of that episode was on Deep Space Nine. I believe it's called Trials and Tribulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. They really packed him in on these old ships. What about over there? Perfect. An auxiliary communications juncture. I'll pretend to do repairs. You scan for Darwin. I used to have one of these. Mm. I love classic 23rd century design, black finish, silver highlights. Nice. Very well done. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, you, you had scenes with the new actors, like, off uh, in the corner, like, fixing something in the hallway. And then Kirk and Spock walk past them. It was just <laughs> really well done. I really enjoyed that. Page to Captain Kirk. Okay. Keep working. We're a maintenance crew just doing our job. Mr. Barris is coming on. Yes, Mr. Barris, what can I do for you? Kirk, this station is swarming with Klingons. I was not aware, Mr. Barris, that 12 Klingons constitutes a swarm. Yeah. I, I, one, of the, one of the favorite scenes of that episode is when uh, the two characters, O'Brien and Bashir, are getting yelled at by Kirk. You know, because oh, yeah. they're in that line of... Uh, Mm-hmm. Starfleet officers who got in the fight with the Klingons and they get right. yelled at by Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> I should good. not be a part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. You should look at you should look for it somewhere. But yeah. uh absolutely. So talking about uh Deep Space Nine, there have been a lot of spin-offs oh, of yeah. Star Trek. Um, not unlike Star Wars, but I think the spinoffs for Star Trek um, obviously have been around a little longer. Um, mm-hmm. You've got shows like you mentioned Voyager, The mm-hmm. Next Generation. Um, oh, and, and Enterprise with Scott Bakula. Yep. Um, what were some of the other ones? I mentioned Deep Space Nine. But out of all of those, I know, like I said, there's different generations that come into the fold, into the fandom of Star mm-hmm. Trek through through different shows. Um, and uh, what were some of your favorites uh, growing up? Uh, Deep Space Nine I didn't really get into until mm-hmm. high school. So that was probably a big one for me in high school. I used to watch the reruns after mm-hmm. school. And so that's when I really got to appreciate Deep Space Nine. Voyager grew up with it. Remember watching the premiere of that episode, of that show, watching it all the way through. So I have really fond memories. Janeway is my favorite Starfleet captain. So that right there. And then Enterprise, I watched that in middle school. So that has a special place in my heart too. But, but yeah, I would probably say probably of my favorites is probably the Voyager because of the nostalgia of it. Yeah, boldly going where no one has gone before. Shanti, you know, obviously knowing the world of Star Wars and, um, you know, you're on uh, the Star Trek episode of the Scare of Scoutlebutt podcast. <laughs> I'm going to play the opposition here, I guess. <laughs> no, I wanted to ask you, you know, we always ask the question on, on Twitter from a Star Wars perspective, you know, where would you like to live? Like on what Star Wars planet, what environment? Um, You know, Star Trek obviously has very similar themes and things like that. But coming from someone that isn't too familiar with Star Trek, um, I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously you know about the Enterprise, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the major characters. Great car rental service. Yeah, great car (laughs) rental service, right. The USS, USS Budget. And uh, Davis, the N- NCCAVIS, <laughs> right? Okay. I so, uh, um, have you? What is your experience with Star Trek? You say you don't know it, but I know you know some characters and some scenarios. But what uh, what do you know of Star Trek? I know the memes of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that. That's uh, oh gosh, the Picard memes are always hilarious. My, yeah, those are great. Um, <laughs> I I know what I know in the sense of like pop 
culture. culture my, right. yeah. my, I was, again, as always, talking to my mom about this show. And I said, I don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about. Because I don't <laughs> Star Trek is not my thing. And she said she watched episodes here and there. But she, she just could... She could never get past William Shatner's act. <laughs> so, it's like he's just so ridiculous. Um, you know, over the I top. Spock, over the top. I, know Spock, yeah. I love Leonard Nimoy very much. I've always mm -hmm. liked the character uh, of Spock. Um, again, I'm being serious. It does not go past those first two J.J. Abrams movies. That is literally all I know. And then, of course, like what I said, you know, about the interracial kiss. Have I know you, that was a big deal. Have you watched but, the newest Star Treks, like Discovery? No, or nothing. Picard? No, none of them have caught your attention. Okay. No, total Star Trek virgin. I yeah, I know. Like. I know a lot of people have recently gotten into the Trek that they've got, got them into. It was Discovery. Yeah. So that's why I was curious. I know who Data is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. good. whatever, Data's whatever important. knowledge yeah. I've picked up, obviously, from watching <laughs> Big Bang Theory, because they they you know they talk about star trek very much sheldon yeah. loves spock obviously mm -hmm. so that's really like where my knowledge goes it, i've said it before i'm really not a huge sci-fi person and i think that's why star wars appeals to me so much because it doesn't get too sci-fi for me and i think that's why i don't like star trek very much mm -hmm. And that's an interesting point you know getting back to um the fact that you watch uh, the big bang theory um, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek obviously has permeated, mm -hmm. you know, pop culture. It's mm -hmm. it's everywhere. Um, we talk about Trekkies and Star Wars mm -hmm. fans and this like that. You know, beam mm -hmm. me up, Scotty has been, Live you know, prosper. Uh, like, yeah, line, yeah, all exactly. these lines that are are it's all embedded. over the place. It's, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Definitely embedded in the in the, in the mainstream and the pop mm -hmm. culture. Um, it's part of our DNA as, as nerds. Um, mm -hmm. like, but like you said, you know, even, even you that don't really watch Star Trek or are into it. I mean, yes, you, you're, you're holding know. up the, the Vulcan sign. I know sign. how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's still, it's still out there and it's mm -hmm. part of, uh, it's part of pop culture. It's kind of funny that you, uh, yep. that you just kind of, uh, put those, put the hand up there, like the sign. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's cool. It's it, you know mm -hmm. it's it's everywhere. You know we obviously mm -hmm. we talked about it with uh, with ninety seven Bravo when we did our nerd episode, where mm -hmm. you know it, it does seem like like we're winning, um, and maybe Definitely. only because it's uh, you know we are part of the the culture on online on social mm -hmm. media. But um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know Star Trek. A lot of times people say that Star Trek is a little more. Uh, and I'll use the word again, cerebral, yeah. um, a little more, you know, socially conscious, I guess, than than Star Wars. And then sometimes, you know, we talk about Star Wars injecting some sort of political themes mm -hmm. to them. And, mm -hmm. and, and it definitely does. Uh, but Amanda, I wanted I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Um, okay. What do you think of that statement that Star Trek is more for smart people? And Star Wars is just for the adventurer. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, to me, anybody can appreciate Star Trek because it does. I mean, yeah, sometimes the techno babble can get a bit much, but the majority of episodes, you don't really have that overarching, you know, like techno babble. I mean, usually every Star Trek episode usually has some kind of lesson to it, you know, which I think Star Wars has overall mm -hmm. as well. So I think 
anybody can really appreciate it because there's some kind of less especially in the original series there's always a lesson to be learned in every episode you know i think that's what gene ronberry wanted it to be you know like there's an episode in the original series and it's about these two different species of aliens and they have paint well you know not paint but like markings so one half's white one half's black and the other side's black and the other side's white and anyway they just hate each other so much that they've fought and fought and fought and there's only two guys left you know and Kirk is trying to get through to them you know like give it up you know look at what you've done you know your prejudice your bigotry has wiped out your people your band of murderers so, you know, and that can be a great learning lesson is just from one episode like that. And I think that's anybody can heavy. learn from that. That's heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, you know, we, we, uh, we talk about how science fiction does have these messages, mm-hmm. whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek or, or anything. You know, sci- sci-fi, I think, is, is a great vessel uh, to be able to communicate, you know, deeper thoughts. It's disguised mm-hmm. in spaceships and laser swords, but there is kind of a, a, a deeper message with, Mm-hmm. With with a lot of movies and films mm-hmm. and series and shows like this, and Star Trek is definitely at the forefront of of that. Yeah. Um, and it's you know obviously it's it's one of those shows that's been going on forever. You know, not unlike you know some of the older shows like uh, what do you call it, Doctor Who or, mm-hmm. or things like that. So maybe even Lost in Space a little. Lost bit. in yeah. Space. That's yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely. Um, what else about Gene Roddenberry's um, plans for the future uh, stand out for you, Amanda? Well, um, I actually have a quote here, and this is actually from an episode. This is actually from Star Trek Enterprise, which is way later than Gene Roddenberry, but has the very much the message, and it's spoken by Captain Archer, and he's actually chewing out some Vulcans actually in this scene. So he says, we don't hold a candle to you when it comes to narrow-minded. We got rid of bigotry nearly a century ago. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it. Very nice. And that right there, I think, is exactly what Gene Roddenberry had envisioned. And I think that encompasses uh, the message of Star Trek. And I know Gene Roddenberry died somewhere during the, Mm -hmm. I think, the fourth season or fifth season. Early in... Next generation. Uh, next generation. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he started taking taking a hands off approach, but I think, yeah, I mean that definitely encompasses uh, what Star Trek fans fans um, know about the series, the man, mm-hmm. the creator uh, of of the show. So yeah, yeah. really really cool mm-hmm. stuff. He's clearly loved because, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, the new motion picture 
uh, museum that I went to in LA, I believe mm -hmm. one of the entrances that I went through was on Roddenberry Way. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Very when nice. I saw that, I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And there that was guy. there was a nice whole section, by the way, in mm -hmm. that museum dedicated to sci-fi. And they had yeah. this one room where you sit in the middle and it's just a 360 screen and they have Star Trek and Star oh, Wars and so all these cool, yeah. and Metropolis and all these different sci-fi movies oh, and wow. shows <laughs> playing all around. It was oh. it was really amazing. A real dedication to sci-fi. I amazing. thought of all of you guys when I saw that. It was it was amazing. <laughs> What do you yeah. mean, all of you guys? You know what I mean. Let's book it be started. Bro. I see your nerd card. All you nerds. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> you have your nerd card peeking out, though. Yeah, we see it. We know. <laughs> so getting back to Tim Burton... Oh no, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Whoops. sorry. Wrong, wrong, wrong mode here. Time for the big thank yous, podcast family, to those of you that support the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thank you, wonderful people who have found it in their hearts to support our show. We're super lucky to have you. Hello there. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, what up, Joey? The Salty Crew at the Salty Nerd Podcast, Alex and Matt. Super fan of many of the Red 5 pods, Nicholas Schaefer. Follow him at Backyard Tardis. What's up, Nick? Our Star Wars celebration friend, Chad, at Hyperspace and Holocrons. Jay from Florida. Our other Floridian, Frank, at the Garrison level. Big thanks. And certainly not least, our Executor level patrons, 97 Bravo and the Convergence Podcast. And Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused podcast. Big thanks, you Red Fivers. Go give them a follow. Huge respects to all our patrons for your support. And if you want to become more involved in the Scare of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com slash scare of scuttlebutt. And remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. Don't forget, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. Space, the final frontier. Um, Amanda, what are the biggest differences between um, Star Trek when it comes to the movies and then some of the TV shows? Like, I, you know, we did mention we, there's a lot of spinoffs yeah, uh, for Star Trek. Um, and then, you know, I didn't even, we didn't even start to cover some of the newer stuff that mm -hmm. is on you know, Paramount Plus and Netflix yeah. and all that stuff. So all that stuff is coming. Um, but uh, what are some of the uh, the main differences between the, the, the movies and the TV shows? Uh, well, the movies are definitely more action-packed than the TV shows. Uh, the television show can be way more like a lot of the episodes will take place entirely just on the ship or Deep Space Nine's case, the space station. While in the movies, it's way more action-packed, more faster-paced. Like, just take Wrath of Khan, for example. Oh, yes. People uh, will say, 
arguably that uh, The Wrath of Khan is probably the greatest sequel in cinema history, not just sci-fi, in mm-hmm. cinema history. Um, yeah. With uh, my boy Ricardo Montalban. Yes. Chest plate. And his chest plate. I kept that. I remember telling a, an ex-girlfriend, no, that's real. That's real. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> no. But, but I mean, sorry, like, I think I interrupted you, Amanda. Go for no, it. No, no, no. It's okay. But like, Wrath of Khan is very fast-paced. You know, it's very, you know, action-packed. You know, we see the destruction of the Enterprise in that movie, actually. So... You know, and Spock dies yeah, in that yeah. movie. That so, is I mean, so it's, sad. It's very emo- it's an emotional roller coaster. It's very fast paced, and that's why it's such a different tone from the TV series. Yeah, and I do remember. I think uh, what was the first Star Trek: The Next Generation movie? Was it? Uh, it was Final Frontier. Was they had to. Was generations? it Generations? Oh yeah, Generations. You're right. They had to share sets from uh the next generation mm-hmm. and uh when they were doing the movie because they uh, i guess paramount didn't want to uh, spend more money than they had to and since they had some standing sets for the tv show they kind of dressed yeah. and redressed and 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 things like that um i remember the uh the original glass plates that were in the floorboards of the original series for the transporter room Mm-hmm. were were actually in the next generation transporter room but they were up on top with with new yeah. with new fillings so little little trivia like that is is kind of cool um but you know uh, we won't get into it but there 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 has been some like internal fighting between studios you had you know CBS yeah. Um, versus the whole Paramount thing mm-hmm. and I, I know this kind of leads to the fighting between the studios where, you know, one has to continue a certain timeline to avoid infringing on the rights of the movie um, franchise people with Paramount. And it it, it kind of develops into this big mess. And I'm really glad that Star Wars isn't like that. Yeah, Yeah, Um, very much so. Yeah, because it could get messy. And I know, you know, in an alternate universe, uh, I know that George Lucas still owns Star Trek, Star Wars, and <laughs> Disney owns a part of Star Wars, so it's kind of a weird yeah. momentum there. But um, luckily, we are living in this universe, uh, luckily or unluckily, depending on what side of the camp you are as far as the Star Wars fan goes. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, very interesting the way all of that kind of pans out. And it really, you know, it's unfortunate because it really affects the fan um, as far as what kind of stories they can tell mm-hmm. um, between the two camps. And I'm not sure if that whole rights issue between CBS and Paramount has been um, fixed or if it ever will I, get fixed. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if they're going to continue films for the Kelvin timeline, which is mm. the, the films that Shanti saw. Like, because nobody really talks about it anymore. Now it's all the series now. Yeah. And obviously... I think a lot of Star Trek fans, and actually, I, I'll ask both of you guys. Um, a lot of Star Trek fans had a bad taste in their mouth when JJ jumped camps from Star Trek to Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's it's kind of funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, I mean, a lot of people now don't like the the JJ Star Wars, the you know yeah. seven and nine. 
for for various reasons, but um, <laughs> it's just it's just kind of funny to me. It's it's uh, you know you can't please a fan one way or the other. Mm-hmm. What do you think of you know when? So when JJ was first announced to do that first Star Trek, Shanti, mm-hmm. the one that you saw, I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed JJ's work in the past. I said, oh, my God, this is so fantastic. I saw the movie. You know, it was action-packed, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I th- remember thinking to myself, man, if JJ ever did a Star Wars movie, oh, that would be so good because, <laughs> you know, he can direct, obviously, and there's going to be a lot of action. It's going to be great, yada, yada, yada. And I've you know, obviously, I've seen the some of his other work. Um, but then when that happened, uh, you know, I think I'm getting into a topic that's a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> I didn't have a problem with him jumping, honestly. Yeah. My only Neither issue is, I, is that yeah. because he had already done Star Trek, and I don't know if I've said this before, but even when I watch Force Awakens, which is the only one that I like out of the three, although now it's even pointless to watch because of what follows, <laughs> there I hear is you. still something because of course every director has a specific vision and you yeah. can tell you can tell a Spielberg movie from a Scorsese movie you know what I mean like mm-hmm. everyone's yeah. got their, their thing different styles yeah they're different style yeah because T- T- Tim Burton right yeah <laughs> we're gonna record that episode I so help me God <laughs> because of that even when I watched Force Awakens I did kind of feel like I was watching the first star trek movie that he directed there was mm. something about the look mm-hmm. the color scheme very much know, the color scheme yeah i don't know what that. it was the way color it was scheme, filmed yeah. it very much reminded me of the first star trek movie and then the last movie forget it we won't even yeah we won't even go there, <laughs> go there. don't but go i there. did not have a problem <laughs> because at the end of the day i knew that even though he directed those star trek movies i still knew he was a fan of star wars so mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me it made it made no difference as long as you were going to give us something that was cohesive, yeah, <laughs> which we didn't get. And I wish I I still wish to this day he would have just done all three movies. I would like to have seen his vision all the way through from yeah. seven to nine, mm-hmm. and then maybe we'd feel a little differently. Yeah, because yeah. I really think that's the only reason why he gets any hate right now, is just because of yeah what that other person gave us in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Man, Amanda, what do you what do you think? Um, were, you, were you upset? To be honest, I actually didn't like JJ's Star Trek films. Really? I I did not think they had the Star Trek feel. So I was a little bit like, eh, you know. But then, so when he came over to Star Wars, I was cautious. Actually, I was like, oh, I don't know, because you know, I I didn't like how he did Star Trek. Right. But then Force Awakens came out, and it was amazing. Like mm-hmm. I was like. You know, this is really good. And, like, I was like, well, you know, what happened in Star Trek? Maybe he was just meant to, to do Star Wars, you know. And I think if we had gotten his full vision, Star mm-hmm. Wars trilogy would have been way better than what he did in Star Trek, I think. I agree. So. I, I didn't even watch. Wasn't there a third Star Trek movie? See, I, yes, I, I, but he I didn't did not direct it. it. He did not direct it. Oh, okay. I See, I didn't, I didn't even watch it's it. It's called Star Trek Beyond, I think. Because I didn't mind the second movie. Benedict Cumberbatch was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah. honestly, I, I only really the second like the one first I, movie. That's the only one I've seen multiple yeah, times. Yeah, the second one I thought was better than the first. Um, 
And I can see why you didn't like it. I think yeah. his, I think his Star Trek catered more to the general audience because as someone who did yeah, not like Star exactly. Trek, I was not excited about that movie until I remember seeing the trailer. And then I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? This might be worth my time. Yeah. And I ended up loving it. Yeah, to me, it just didn't have that sense of like Gene Roddenberry's vision in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get, I get it. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, J.J. works with that whole mystery box, which kind of shot himself. Mm -hmm. He shot himself in the foot with the mm -hmm. second one. You know, he was denying that Cumberbatch was uh, was Khan right. yeah. and mm -hmm. saying, no, you know, somebody mm -hmm. guessed, guessed that that's, you know, mm -hmm. that's where they might have been taking that story. Yeah. Um, which I, I do think it's a shame that they went that route. Um because you know, at that point, it's it's almost like rehashing, you know, the wrath of Favreau. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of why a lot of people say he's not very original because you could say Force Awakens is a rehash of A New Hope. Yeah, fortunately, yeah, technically you it can. Is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But, at but least I want to somewhat close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, at least you know the Star Wars line. The only thing about The Force Awakens and J.J. is I think, you know, that's not the movie that he wanted to tell. And I think he was I being think I, forced. You're 100 yeah. correct. Yeah. I think he was forced to do it. I think they obviously Disney wanted lightning in a bottle again. They just yep. spent mm -hmm. four and a half billion yeah. dollars and wanted their money back. So exactly. they, they didn't want uh, anybody to take chances. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. I have a question for you, Amanda. Yeah. Picard or mm -hmm. Kirk? I know that's a very popular Ooh. question. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I actually think I'm going to go with Picard. I think he is. I hear that wait a minute, wait, a wait, lot. let me. I hear the answer a lot. Back yeah. up, Picard or Kirk for what? To have tea? To bring home <laughs> to mom? Just in terms of being what? a captain, I guess, who you like more? <laughs> yeah, uh. I, I, I would say Picard. Um Patrick Stewart, Stewart. <laughs> nails it. I mean, he's an incredible actor. Yeah, and he he, he didn't want to do Picard at first. No, he really, didn't at first. He, yeah. Well, he's, I didn't know that. He's like, I don't want to do this. I'm but learning so much on this yeah. episode. <laughs> he had his bags. Too. He had his bags packed for weeks Ready. because really? he he's like, I'm I'm gonna get fired. I just want to leave. I don't want to do this really character. He thought he was gonna be fired because he just wasn't feeling it, and then. Wow. Because when they first started Star Trek, he really didn't have free reign of the portrayal of Picard. Okay. But then he was given the freedom, and that's when we see Picard like really flourish. Is because Patrick basically was like you let free. Let the actor interpret. Yeah. And let him. He loose. he just nails it. I mean, Picard, I think, is the captain we can really relate to a lot. You know, especially you know because of the trauma he goes through with being you know abducted by the Borg. You know. Hmm. And just he's just so kind of relatable, if you get what I mean. I think he's the most sensitive, one of the most sensitive captains. You know, uh, the next generation, I think, was what, seven seasons? Yeah, seven seasons. Yeah. And there is a lot that happened to Picard personally. You mentioned getting captured by the Borg. I mean, he mm -hmm. witnessed uh, the destruction of so many Federation ships in yeah. um you know close wolf to earth 359 wolf yep. 359 yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. and some of those things really affect him and really kind of draw even now with some of the new um, well, the new picard. elements in picard in picard it's um, mentioned yeah there what are, what was that episode where he was i think he was in a coma but an alien an alien race put him in a coma so he can live out the life of a certain um mm -hmm. 
resident of that planet because the planet was yes. gone. It was destroyed. Yes. And he lived his entire life. life. He grew old. He, he had a family. Family, children. And it was, it yeah. was the alien's way of communicating to, to the crew of the Enterprise to say, this is who we were. Yeah, and now they, we they live died on. An extinction event. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know stories like that really, especially with the next generation, because uh, you know that show survived for so many years. Mm-hmm. Really, um, it really were special stories, um, yeah. and it really shaped. It, it shaped the the role of Picard. It shaped his character, and I, I yeah. think that's uh, one of the really great ways of of. Uh, of remembering the next generation. They had a lot of episodes like that that were really great, really personal stories of the characters. Yeah, um, you got personal stories of every single crew member. I mean, you got the wharf centric Klingon episodes, which go into like Klingon culture and history. Mm-hmm. And then you learn more about Riker and his career and Deanna. And his, and his mustache. And his mustache, <laughs> yeah. And you know, you got Deanna and her crazy mother, you know. Who was who played was by, by Majel Burrett? Yeah, yeah. Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah. She uh, she was also the voice of the computer on uh, the Next Generation Enterprise, which is yep. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time you finish Next Generation, that crew is your family. After you finish watching it, maybe that's the one I should watch. Yeah. Yeah, you know, obviously with any show, the first few seasons are a little quirky. Of course, a little wooden. Um, a little wooden. A little wooden. Is the first I get it. Season, yeah. yeah. But. Um, by the third season, it's yeah. I just like Patrick Stewart so much. So if I'm going to delve into the Star <laughs> yeah. Trek, I might as well go with an yeah. actor that I love. Yeah. And he was, you know, he's a classically trained, you know, mm-hmm. uh, United Kingdom actor, very oh, yeah. proper, very, you know, he's my favorite Scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's um, just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a very good actor. Any other notes for Star Trek, Amanda, that you got? Um. Well, did you want to talk about the new series? You know, we can talk a little bit ones? about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we got we got some new stuff in now with Star Trek. Uh, the first one was Star Trek Discovery, which came out, I believe, a few years ago now. Like four years ago, I think. Yeah. Something um, like that. We also have Star Trek Picard. Which will be going on to its second season. We have the two animated series, Star Trek Lower Decks, which is a comedic series, and a kids series that's actually pretty good. I've actually watched a few episodes of this, uh, mm-hmm. Star Trek Prodigy. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have a new series that just finished filming, which is all about Captain Pike, who we already mentioned before. It'll be Captain Pike's adventures on the Enterprise, and it's called Strange New Worlds. Hmm. I'm actually looking forward to that one. Um, that is the one I'm yeah. really excited for. <laughs> the comedic like, one for me. Yeah. You would you would absolutely laugh. In I'm Decks. sure I would. You, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like The Simpsons on the Enterprise. Almost, it really is. Uh, ish. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like there was this whole scene. That's definitely like, there for was, me. There was a huge controversy episode of Lower Decks. <laughs> Have you seen the images, bro? Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Where you know they're running around naked. <laughs> and, their, and their private parts are blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, this is what Star Trek is now? Yeah. Now, what did you think of Discovery, Ro? Okay, so um, Discovery was uh, the first season of Discovery I bought. I, I didn't have 
uh, Paramount Plus when it came out. So I, yeah. I waited a year and mm -hmm. I, I, I had I some, did the same thing. I yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. I had some points on my Best Buy card, so I was able to acquire the um, the entire season on on Blu-ray. So I watched mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I think something about that show, which I think you mentioned uh, for another show, it, it just didn't seem Star Trekky to yes. me. Yes, that is my exact thing with Discovery. It yeah. just doesn't have that flame. And then what what season are they on? What are we waiting? What season are we waiting for on Discovery? I think four. I think four? It's season four. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't even finish season three. And let well, me tell you why. Because season three, they get thrown way in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I didn't even finish season two. I mean, no, I, I've watched season two. It was not very memorable. Because season three, they're in the future. They're right. Like season three, the they're in the future. Yeah. And again, mm -hmm. it's just, it doesn't seem Star Trek to me. And no. I think the characters and the actors try way too hard to make it seem like they're family. Like every 10 minutes, oh, yeah. they're they're doing something like, uh, you know, something grandiose about, I don't know, yeah. just, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it, but they're, I, they're trying too hard. Saying. It's just trying too hard. Like Discovery just has, number one, the way they keep switching time periods is confusing as heck for, for you know, people. If yeah. you wanted to do, like, a ship that maybe got thrown into the future, do that in the very first season, you know. Talk about that. Not have this two seasons of whatever, you know. And then you go, and plus, captains are always changing on that ship. <laughs> like, right, yeah. There's just no, you know, I'm just like, it is so confusing. It just... Discovery to me is I'm happy for people that love it and it's their introduction to Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But it is just confusing as heck. And I'm I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Like I've watched them all and I can't figure that show out. Did Disney <laughs> get a hold of that one? I don't know. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> now, have you watched Picard? Yeah, so out of the new shows, I mean obviously there's only two, uh, but I, I really like Picard. I do too. Yeah. I have issues with some of the uh things that Picard has introduced um, mm -hmm. like towards the end, you know, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, like if they, they made a clone of him, but they kept the, the disease that he has. Why? I don't know. That doesn't make, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah. I'm going to make a brand new body, but I'm going to leave you with the disease that you have. Yeah. Like what, what the, what? I'm Who's like playing him. Patrick Stewart. It Patrick is? Stewart. Yeah. No, he's reprising it. He's oh, an yeah. executive producer, I think, too, on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But I, 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 again, I really I really like Picard. Um, mm -hmm. There are some really great nostalgic points in, in Picard. In Picard, yeah. You've, you've got, you know, uh, Riker and Deanna Troy that come back, and, and they, they, they have a really nice um, episode between the, t the, the, the mm -hmm. three um and obviously just you know getting back to seeing um some of the actors from the next generation even yeah. though they're not regulars is mm -hmm. really really great for me and i think that's one of the biggest reasons that i that i really enjoy picard probably more than the yeah. discovery discovery i, like, I just lost it i also it. like the new crew members in uh picard way better than discovery yeah like i think the characters are way more relatable mm-hmm yeah. One of the things that bothers me about uh, Discovery is mm -hmm. the the technology obviously looks way, way too advanced, too advanced yeah. for yeah. the original series. 
I think if they had cojones and if they had the balls, they would have done Star Trek Discovery with the old 60s technology that, that to make it kind of tie together. Yeah. I mean, they kind of explained it and said, oh, you know, the... This was a prototype ship. Right, yeah, something, they, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, yeah it, to me, it doesn't fly. And there's an independent production company, a team of, of uh, production people on Twitter mm-hmm. called Star Trek Continues. And they mm-hmm. have done, I think, seven episodes. They spent their own money. They created the bridge. They've got actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, Jimmy Doohan's son plays Scotty in this show. It's called yeah. Star Trek Continues. You guys should check it out on YouTube. Um, I need to check and it out. It's, yeah. it's, a, it it's, out a, yeah. it's a labor of love. It's a dedication to the old uh, mm-hmm. Star Trek done like now. Um, and they could only do... I think they went into an agreement with the studio. They can only do these. I think, I think they, they did five episodes yeah. and the, and they're done, but it's, it's beautifully done. They have the same special effects. They even shoot it in mm-hmm. four, three aspect ratio, just like oh, the original series. Great. Yeah. Just like the original um, series. Yeah. It's, it's really fantastic and it's, it's nostalgic. And I mean, the actors do the best they can obviously, um, but it's really fun to watch. You guys should mm-hmm. ch- check it out. Definitely. Yeah. I need to check it out. Lou Ferrigno is in one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they brought, you know, they brought in, they were able to bring in some uh, old actors uh, from the original series. Um, mm-hmm. Not the main cast, but some of the uh, the antagonists from the original series. So okay. really, really cool stuff. I would definitely recommend Trek Continues. Yeah. Like I said, Discovery, it's got, it's got so many issues that showed us. Yeah. <laughs> so disappointed with that one. Skip it, Shanti. Okay. But Strange <laughs> New Worlds, Strange New Worlds, I have high hopes for. Yeah, it seems like the Pike uh, storyline and the mm-hmm. crew of uh, of that Enterprise really hit a note for a lot of people. And yeah. I think it is it is one of the shows that I'm looking forward to. Uh, although I don't like the new Spock. No, don't know, you don't. S- no, something, something about him. Oh, see, I thought he was I mean, great. I thought he was great. Yeah. Again, I mean, replacing, you know, Leonard replacing Nimoy Leonard is, Nimoy yeah. is an impossible, impossible like task. Zachary Quinto. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not yeah. Leonard Nimoy, but. Right. I, I liked him, actually. The, the thing is, is that with Strange New Worlds, unfortunately, you have to have Spock. Yeah. <laughs> because he's on right. board, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I actually, I actually like um, Ethan Peck, who plays uh, okay. Spock. I was just seeing Spock with a young Spock with a beard. The beard, yeah. Just kind of throws me off. Though, yeah, so. yeah. But he, from what I've seen in the pictures, the set pictures, he doesn't have a beard, so we're good. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. It's a strange oh, also, new world. Also, what's really Sexy cool Spock. about Strange New World is the character Nurse Chapel is going to be on it as well. Oh yeah. Which um, another Magical Barrett role. Yeah. But she's. Um, Nurse Chapel is returning, so that's another familiar character we'll get to see in that show as well. Nice. Is there something else, sir? Yes, there is. Judge Advocate General's report, Stardate 36764. Subject inquiry into mutiny aboard USS Pegasus. Based on testimony from Captain Pressman and other surviving officers, the judge advocate believes there is sufficient evidence to conclude that certain members of the crew did mutiny against the captain just prior to the destruction of the Pegasus. Mutiny? 
on a Federation starship. That's that's shocking. It's it's unthinkable. And yet you've never mentioned it. No, sir. Excellent. Any final thoughts on the world of Star Trek? Um, this is actually for you, Shanti. You know, if, I think I think you should really do a dive. I recommend Next Generation. Okay. Just watch it. Yeah, the first season's going to be wooden. But okay. after that, you're really going to enjoy it. And I think once you learn of what Star Trek means and, like, mm-hmm. the importance of it, I think you're really going to love it. I'll give it a whirl. And for anybody I'm else listening. Yeah, I'm always And for anybody else listening, try. if you haven't watched Star Trek, just start with Next Generation. And that is a great gateway into it. Yep. Um, I'm doing a show with Andrew. We're going to talk about Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's Space. such a good show. I could yeah. talk about that forever. <laughs> yeah. So looking forward to that one. Yeah. I was on the Deep Space Nine set. Um, Were you? Cool. Yeah. It's oh. uh, it's a big. It's a. It's not as big as you think. It's they use a lot of forced perspective. So but it's I was not sitting... as big as you think. No. Really. Yeah. That's what, the, that's what she said. So um, yeah, that's what she said. So what area of the set did you see? I was on the promenade. Oh, the promenade. Okay. Yeah. So you know they have um. Odo's office. Yeah. The door swings open and it's just like a little cubicle, little little okay. tiny little area. And the promenade is, you know, you've got the Rosetta Stone prop thing right in the middle. Yeah. And then it goes off in, mm-hmm. in either direction, but it's all forced perspective. There is a balcony, but it's like so tiny. Is I it mean, really act, tiny? Yeah, actors <laughs> actors can go up there. But yeah. it's really small and they can, you know, obviously they have to move walls and stuff for cameras and mm-hmm. things that come in there. But I was very surprised at how small it was. It just looks, obviously it looks bigger um, when they shoot. I, I actually thought the promenade was a larger set than what you're describing. So no, that's, it's, it's small. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> you're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> She's dying over here. It's big, it's small. Oh my god, you're killing me. <laughs> save it for save it for Scarif after dark. So obviously before we turn off, uh, turn in for the evening, um, I wanna do a little Star Trek sentry mode. Oh no oh gosh, oh gosh. So get your uh, tricorders pumping, because here we go. This is Sentry Mode. Anybody who knows the answer can blurt out. Question number one, what is the principle of Starfleet's prime directive? Do not interfere with non-warp capable species. Correct. Non-intervention. Question number two. The USS Enterprise, registry NCC-1701D, bartender Guinan, played by Whoopi Goldberg, who requested a part on the series, is a member of what long-lived species? The listeners. Hmm. That's that, not... That's not the name? Oh. No. Okay. That's not the name. Because <laughs> I, know, I know they talk about how they always listen, so... Yeah. The what bar- is the, the name? The bartenders. I've got, and it doesn't actually give me the answer. It gives me four, uh, four possibilities. Uh, okay. Hakonian, Denobulan, Elarian, or human. 
I don't. I wonder, if it's, a, I wonder if it's a Larian then. I think it is. Okay. I think it is. Uh, question number three: What is the name of the Klingon homeworld? Kronos. <laughs> Chantel's like, ah, cheese. I've never felt so ditzy in my life. <laughs> that now is you know, right. Now you know how I felt at the Monty Python one. <laughs> the dumbest <laughs> I've ever felt. <laughs> Quonos is correct. And it's spelled Q-O apostrophe N-O-S. Yeah. Very, very cool. Question number four. Hikaru Sulu held which position for the longest period of time aboard the USS Enterprise A? Lieutenant. Uh, no. Helmsman. Oh, okay. Helmsman. Okay. Question number five. What is the name of the species that compelled Captain James T. Kirk and Lieutenant Niyota Uhura to kiss? The first kiss between a white man and a black woman on a scripted U.S. TV show. Is there a multiple choice? <laughs> there is. Okay. The Iconians, the Platonians, the Romulans, or the Kazon? Platonians? No. <laughs> no. I'm gonna go Romulans. No. Everybody's wrong. The Iconians. It's the Iconians. Ah, see, I knew it was yeah. either one of the two because they were in the original <laughs> series. So, let's keep it going. Question number right. six: Star Trek Century Mode. Which of the following was not a founding species of the United Federation of Planets, a collection of governments based on universal liberty and equality? Which ones were not part of the founding? members okay. of the Federation of Planets. The Vulcans, Andorians, Tellarites, or Betazoids? Red 5. <laughs> <laughs> Is not a choice. <laughs> Betazoids. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to uh, counsel. Uh, we're gonna have to ask Google on that one, or uh, anybody that uh, can give us the right answer. I don't think it's Betazoids. I think no, it might be Tellarites. If I remember correctly from Enterprise, because it discusses the formation, there's the Tellarites, there's oh, okay. the Vulcans, and there's the Andorians and the humans. Okay, so maybe you're right, the Betazoids. I think it's the Betazoids. All right, cool, cool. Let's check it out. If we are wrong, let us know. Please uh, <laughs> hash. Hashtag us. No one will let us know, believe me. <laughs> Question number seven. Who was the disgraced scientist who created Lieutenant Commander Data, an android who was ultimately granted rights and privileges equal to those afforded to all human species? Chantel, do you know this one? No, I don't. <laughs> no. Okay, it's Noonien Singh. Dr. Noonien Singh. That is correct. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's let's do one more. Hi, uh -huh. I lost. I'm <laughs> it doesn't do, matter. Yeah, I'm gonna ask. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, let's see. What was it? Okay, this is a Deep Space Nine question. Ooh. Okay. Question number. Whatever it is. What? Ten, I think. What I think it's ten. Ten. Okay. What title was given by the Bajorans to Captain Benjamin Sisko? Uh, played by Avery Brooks, the first African-American captain to lead a Star Trek series. So what was the title given to him by the Bajorans? Emissary of the Prophets. There you go. The Emissary of the Prophets <laughs> for the win. Amanda, 
You are the reigning champion uh, here Is at the Scare really Scuttlebutt Podcast. Because <laughs> Shanti sucks. Some some shit. Shit. <laughs> this is Sentry Mode. I thought Excellent. she might know one. I thought she no. might know one. <laughs> no. I love when he sent me the email. You want to join us? I said, sure. I don't know what I'll talk about. I'll talk along. Why not? Maybe I'll learn something. And I did. Yep. <laughs> so thank I you. Think, I think uh, Shanti exhausted her knowledge of Star Trek within the first, what, 38 seconds of this show? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. But Excellent. She's learned she's she learned has learned a lot. And I hope you report back to us once you start the next generation. Yeah. I think it'll be a really great uh, wait till she gets to the That'll best be of journey. both worlds, worlds part, part one and one two. And two. Woo! Oh, wow, okay. Resistance is futile. Oh, boy. I am the cutest of board. <laughs> oh, my. So uh, thank you, guys. Uh, this has been fun, as usual, talking Star Trek on a Star mm-hmm. Wars podcast. Yeah. The, uh, the galaxy is going to cancel itself for that. Yeah. Feel shameful. <laughs> Amanda, tell us where what's uh, what are you guys doing up over there on your podcast? Tell us uh, where um, people can find you. Yeah, you guys can find me on our podcast. Uh, podcast which is at um which is at galaxy queers on twitter we also have a youtube channel which is um galaxy queers podcast you can find my personal at jedi caligia 89 actually this week we have planned an episode all about bounty hunters in star wars on sunday so shanti knows bounty hunters yeah, maybe she can join us for Bounty. That's my forte. Excellent, excellent. And I am Sha- one. And and Shanti, besides the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast, I know you are teaming up with uh, Alan uh, at Press Play Studios. What's going on over there? So we took a little hiatus, and we're coming back uh, December second, I believe, and we're going to be doing a whole bunch of holiday movies. I know one of the episodes we're doing is. Holiday movies that are not really holiday movies, and I can't oh, nice. wait because I know Die Hard is going to come up, and I have very strong opinions about Die Hard. But it is a holiday movie, no, so I don't know what you're talking not. about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I swear. And eventually, eventually, Scarif will do the Tim Burton episode. <laughs> yes. We got to get, uh, let's get Josh director. Uh, involved. But um <laughs> Tim, Burton. <laughs> Tim Burton and voicemails. Apparently, I, I left a voicemail. Yeah, I must have been, uh, maybe I was drunk. About- and don't forget to follow us also on the Red Five Network and all those other wonderful peeps. We got some wonderful peeps in our network, don't we? We really do. Absolutely. But uh, speaking of wonderful peeps, if you are listening to this, you are a wonderful peep. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what kind of Star Trek memories you have. 773-234-8659. That is the Scarif Scuttlebutt hotline. Or if you just want to type up a little message and send it over to us, we also accept faxes and mimeographs and microfiches over at scarifscuttlebutt at gmail.com. Something like that. Just find us somewhere and send us something. We like hearing what you have to say on the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Shanti, take it away. And that's the Scuttlebutt. That was my uh, James James T. Kirk imitation. (laughs) 
listener, just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network.